Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Gruesome. This is episode nine. I'm Meg and my co-host Connie, amateur code breaking sleuth, is going to take on <laughs> the brutal murder of Sylvia Likens today. But before yeah. we cover that brutal murder, the yeah. Zodiac Cypher 340. Yeah, 51 years. It finally had been solved. They cracked um, it. He spelled paradise wrong. That was annoying. Can't get past that. Can't get past it. But and he spelled, honestly, he spelled Christmas wrong in another one, right? With two S's. That yeah. was the thing. And I think it's it's weird because I I thought it was going to be way cooler than what it is. Like, I read it and I was like, well, this is very anticlimactic. Well, because they hoped his name was going to... They were like, well, yeah. maybe he like released his name. I just don't understand how a dude that can't spell <laughs> like can make these ciphers that can't be broken for 50 years. That's dumb. Yeah, it's... Uh, but kudos to the guy who did it. Meg and I were actually just talking. We're never going to cover... The Zodiac Killer, probably not him or like Ted Bundy. They're very oversaturated cases. You can just, you know, there's too much about them. You you probably know more about them than we do. So. Absolutely, you do. With <laughs> yeah, a simple so Google search, you know more. Yeah, but it's just, it's cool. Anytime something big like this pops up, whether it pertains to the case that we're covering or not, we got to talk about it because this is 51 years to crack a code. And what the... The guy had been working on it from, what did you say, 2006? Yeah, he the guy started in 2006, and then he brought two other people on his team. So it took a team of three, you know, uh, how many years is that? 20 minus six. <laughs> 12? Uh, 14. 14. <laughs> I'm good at math. 14 years to figure out just working on this one specific cipher. So Yeah, so look cool. it up. It's pretty cool. Today in true crime. That's what happened. <laughs> Today in true crime. That's going to be our <laughs> spinoff show. Um, That'll be our Patreon. Stay tuned. <laughs> so please tell me about Sylvia Likens. And her oh, I don't know if you're going to want to say please after this one. Okay, just tell me about it then. Okay, so it's no secret that I love Indiana. I've lived all over and I always seem to gravitate towards the Midwest. I love the people. I love the cities. And I just, the Hoosier hospitality, I feel like you don't understand it till you've experienced it. And it's really, I mean, I've even lived down south and I just feel like there's nothing like just Hoosiers. I love it. Oh, let me sneak right past you. Oh. yes it is the best i also i have moved out to california and back to indiana and i still i just like it it just feel it's a very cozy place to live yep even in the biggest cities i feel like it's cozy yeah definitely the hoosier hospitality is exactly what lester and elizabeth likens was hoping for when they left their two daughters sylvia and jenny in the care of unbeknownst to them a literal monster by the name of Gertrude Benicheski. Well, her name is Gertrude, so. Yes, Gertrude. Now, usually I try to stay away from well-known cases. We actually just talked about that um, because I feel like they, the story has been told. But because this is probably one of the most, if not the most, gruesome 
murder to ever happen in Indiana. I felt like I had to. I felt, especially because we're, you know, we're Hoosiers. So I had to, I feel like this is a yeah, story I had to Yeah, we need to talk tell. about it. And um, just like always, we have a trigger warning. This case is going to discuss child abuse, torture, sexual abuse, and murder in extremely graphic detail. There was no way for me to tell the story without, and honestly, I'm not even as graphic as I could be. This is oh, like the tip okay. of it. Yeah, that's, yeah. So- Sylvia Likens was born on January 3rd, 1949 to Lester and Elizabeth. Her father had an eighth grade education and he struggled to find work. He was bouncing around to quite a few different jobs before he found what he thought would be the best fit for his family working in a traveling carnival. Now, obviously, carnival work isn't the best place to raise a family. So him and Elizabeth had to figure out what they were going to do with their children. Their oldest daughter, Diana, they have two sets of twins. And twins are always... I'm, I they just have love two twins. sets of twins? Two sets of twins. There's Diana and Daniel. They were the oldest. Diana was married and out of the house. And then they have Jenny and Benny, which are the two youngest, which Jen, those are awesome names. Jenny, <laughs> Jenny and Benny. Benny, yeah. Benny and the Jennies. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so Daniel and Benny were going to go stay with their grandparents. And I couldn't find why Sylvia and Jenny couldn't stay with them. But nevertheless, they had to find a place for two girls to stay. Enter Gertrude. Sylvia was 16 in 1965. She loved roller skating, the Beatles. She had long, wavy brown hair and a bright smile. Um, she was very shy. She always smiled with her mouth closed because she had a missing front tooth due to an accident with her brother. Oh. Yeah, her family called her Cookie, and I love that. It's cute. She loved her siblings. She took special care of her youngest sister, Jenny, who had a limp. She wore leg braces because she had polio previously. Oh, okay. In the same year, so 1965, Sylvia's parents approached Gertrude because they, there's a really messy family history with Elizabeth and Lester, but they were new to town. Um, Elizabeth had gotten in trouble for shoplifting. Lester, she had taken the girls and left, but Lester Elizabeth like, was the mom that got in trouble? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. So, and I don't know a lot of details about that, so I didn't want to spend a lot of time with it, but they were new to town and Gertrude's daughters went to school with Sylvia and Jenny. Gertrude was a single mom, so Sylvia's parents thought like the arrangement could be mutually beneficial. They were going to have Jenny and Sylvia stay with Gertrude and they were going to pay her $20 a week for room and board. Pretty good deal. Yeah. I'll be honest. I don't want to go much into detail about Gertrude and her past because one, I don't care. And two, she's a horrible monster who doesn't deserve any sympathy from anyone. Notoriety. Yeah, she doesn't. She just doesn't deserve it. And she didn't have any significant trauma that I felt would be worth notating. Like, okay, this maybe is why she is the way she is. She just, she just sucks. She just sucks. Okay. She married a few times. She married the same guy twice. <laughs> so yeah. you know you suck. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, she had seven kids. That, so she like, was a single mom. Her? Yeah, she was a single mom to seven kids. Oof. Which I might have sucked too. Not to not, not defending to this Gertrude. Degree. Yeah, not to this degree. I mean, sometimes I suck and I have three, but you know, kids, am I right? <laughs> and the article that I read literally said by 1965, Gertrude was a haggard chain smoking single bomb of seven living in squalor at Ugh. 3850 East New York Street in Indianapolis for $55 I know where a month. that is. And yep. Yikes. Okay. 
Yeah. She was 31. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. And she 31. had seven kids? Seven kids. Oof. I'm 31. Yeah. I just, so I was thinking <laughs> 10 minutes ago when I first read, I was like, I'm 33. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm 31. <laughs> <laughs> After like 28, you just start forgetting how old you really are. <laughs> and it like, goes back to, I have three kids. I don't even know what day it is most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. So yep, Gertrude, Gertrude, did she look 31 in pictures? She looks awful. As usual, we're going to post pictures from this case, lots of pictures, um, and there'll be a few of Gertrude. She has a very punchable face, and she looks... Honestly, I saw her picture first before I read how old she was. I thought she was like 60. Oh, dang. That's right. So haggard, chain smoking, like you can just imagine. Um, Her home was the kind where the neighborhood kids would come and go as they please they could get away with things at her house that they couldn't at their parents yeah, probably like, good seven of them she's probably like are you my kid yeah whatever yeah they were smoking drinking having sex all with her right there she didn't care okay which i get as a kid you want to be in a house like that but as an adult looking back you're like oh yikes it's not somewhere i would, would want my kids to be yeah over my dead body Lester Maybe Likens. at Gertrude's house, though, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Lester Likens, um, Sylvia's dad, never stepped foot into the house of the woman he handed his daughters over to. What? Yeah, he just, you know, took her for his word because she looked like she was going to be a great mom. But if he had, he would have realized that there weren't enough beds. There were only beds for half of them. The house was filthy, absolutely filthy. There wasn't even a stove, no microwave, nothing. There was a hot plate where the stove should have been. Ah, were there microwaves in 1965? Yeah. Okay. Sorry if you... You were alive in 1965 and I made you feel bad by asking that question. <laughs> now I'm going to have to look a split second. First microwave. First microwave. First microwave was in 1946. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're so probably the, around. The girls moved in with Gertrude the on Fourth of July weekend in 1965, and she had promised to Lester and Elizabeth, "I'm going to treat your kids like they were my own. I'm going to love them like they were my own." And at first, she did keep that promise. She was kind to the girls. Um, they hung out because they had, like I said, she had Gertrude had seven kids, and she had two older girls that were Sylvia's age. Their names were Paula and Stephanie. Okay, and so they, they were going to be yeah, they had friends, and they did what you know, typical teenage stuff. They were hanging out, gossiping about boys. But it was pretty soon after that Paula, who is Gertrude's oldest daughter, she was 17 at the time. Her and Sylvia began to fight quite regularly. And I'm assuming it's just arguments like it would be for any teenage girls who are spending too much time together. Yeah, like boys. Yeah, just like bickering. like Being too close, being in the same area. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Girls fight. Kids fight. Yeah, the girls shared a room with three of Gertrude's kids, Marie, who was 11, Shirley, who was 10, and Jimmy, who was 8. The five of them took turns sleeping on the one mattress that was in the bedroom on the floor. Oh, man. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was not a good living situation. And obviously, like she was, Gertrude was suffering for money. Her, she was getting a little bit of child support from her ex-husband, the one that she was married to twice. Um, She had six kids with him. She had six and then kids she had, with him? Yeah. And then one kid with a younger man who, they weren't married when they had their, the youngest son and he kind of just like took off. She had like filed paternity suit against him, but he wasn't paying her any money. 
Okay. So a little while after the girls moved in, Lester was late with the $20 that he was supposed to pay. This infuriated Gertrude. She took the girls upstairs, made them bend over a bed, drop their skirts and panties to their ankles, and whipped them with a leather belt, screaming, I took care of you bitches for a whole week for nothing. Ah. And the money came the next day. The oh very God. next day. A few days later, Lester and Elizabeth came to give Gertrude another advance payment, and the girls did not say a word about the spanking. Why? I'm, well, I'm assuming it's because they either thought it was an isolated incident because she had been kind to them until then, or they were scared that it would happen again because there was no way their parents were taking them. Do you think like that maybe was, they just didn't want to like stress their parents out even more? You know, I'm not sure of the family dynamic in that aspect. So you don't know if it was like they were yeah. close when they just couldn't stay with them and so maybe they didn't want to freak their parents out. And her dad had said, it's not that he didn't, I mean, he cared about his girls. Like, don't get me wrong on that. He just knew that being a carny was the best thing for them financially and with the level of education that he had. And it was the only thing for them. Yeah. And being a that lifestyle was not appropriate to have his two girls there. Yeah, I guess that makes sense because it was probably pretty wild. So like I said, I didn't know if they thought like maybe it would happen again if they told them, but it did. It began to be a very regular occurrence, them getting by Gertrude. The same way or in different ways? Um, We'll get into that. Okay. But wait, there's more. The next week, Sylvia and Jenny went through the neighborhood garbage collecting old Coca-Cola bottles to sell in order to get money for candy, which common, (laughs) that's not anything crazy. When they came home with the candy, Gertrude accused them of stealing. When Sylvia explained how she had gotten the candy, Gertrude accused her of lying and made her bend over the bed before she beat her again with a paddle. paddle So she went back, yeah, she went back and forth. Her ex-husband had left this leather belt and then almost a frat boy style paddle. Oh, Like the Greek style. And that's what she was beating them with. Oh, I got like chills down my legs. Yeah. I like feel it. Oof. Yeah. Shortly after that, Gertrude's children came to her after a church social and said that they were disgusted with the amount of food that they had seen Sylvia eating, which was probably because she was starving. Gertrude didn't keep anything. Yeah, she didn't keep anything but bread and crackers in the pantries. And there were only enough place settings for three people. Oh, so they went to a church thing and she ate because she was hungry. Yeah, she was chowing down, which free food. I'm chowing down whether I'm hungry or not. Straight up. Yeah, it's just it's happening. It's going down. It's going to be embarrassing for anyone that has to see it. Sorry, but I can't even imagine being like literally starving and having that food in front of me. Yeah, no, anyone would. They'd probably stick it in their pockets, you know? Why not? Gertrude told Sylvia that she was angry that Sylvia would do something like that to ruin her physical appearance and forced her to eat a hot dog piled with condiments and spices and anything else she could find in the house. And when Sylvia vomited from it, Gertrude forced her to scoop up the vomit and then eat the vomit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's no. 16. The 16 year old girl. Poor baby. And soon after, again, her parents came and they didn't say anything. The girl still didn't say anything. What? Yeah. They still didn't say anything. Like, hey, mom, can I talk to you for a sec? Yeah. it's Whoa. And by August of 1965, the beatings and torture were almost exclusively directed towards Sylvia. And it's not known if Gertrude just didn't treat Jenny like she did Sylvia because Jenny had polio and she was more fragile or if it was because of the feuds that Sylvia had with Paula that made her more in target so for she Gertrude. Just, she targeted on to Sylvia. Yep. Not Ex- pretty much exclusively at that point. Okay. 
So did she beat any of her other kids? Like any? No, of- she never beat her kids. Just, just Sylvia. Just Sylvia. And sometimes Jenny. Yeah, sometimes Jenny. At first, like the paddlings and like with the belt would be Jenny, but the actual torture was solely directed at Sylvia. In the fall of 1965, the girls returned to school. Gertrude accused Sylvia of spreading rumors that Paula and Stephanie were prostitutes. She had no evidence of this. It was just, I read somewhere that Paula and Stephanie had said it because, you know, Paula and Sylvia at this point were not getting along at all. And so do you think they were just telling their mom this? Like maybe yeah, they would absolutely. kick her out or something? I don't think it had anything to do with what to kick her out. Okay. They were all, all monsters. Just broken people. Yep. Gertrude belittled Sylvia in front of her kids and her kids' as friends. Stephanie, her 15-year-old boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, attacked Sylvia in response. What? Yeah. Gertrude was talking all this shit about Sylvia and what she was doing and saying, she's saying that Stephanie and Paula are prostitutes. You're going to let her talk about Stephanie and Paula like this? What so the her heck? Bo- yeah. And Stephanie laughed as Gertrude taunted Sylvia by calling her a slew of derogatory terms. I mean, use your worst imagination. Anything you could think of is what she was calling this 16-year-old girl. So I should say, back up a little bit, on days where... Gertrude felt too tired to paddle Sylvia. She had her daughter Paula do it. Oh, that's not cool. So Paula and Gertrude were beating the hell out of Sylvia pretty much on a daily basis at this point. Uh, and up like until that point. Beating her up or paddling her? Paddling her, hitting her with a bell, smacking her in the face, like beating the shit out of her. Way more than what she, she didn't deserve any of it, but taking get punishment to a whole new level. Yeah, especially if she and Paula already weren't getting along and Paula's exactly. Exactly. Here, you get to paddle her. You get to beat her today. Yeah. So up until then, it was just the two of them. But now Gertrude is encouraging other people to do it as well, which is when she provoked Stephanie's boyfriend to doing it. And so... What did he do? He just beat... He like attacked her? Yeah, he attacked her. And as we go on, you're going to see that this is like just the beginning of Sylvia being the target of torture from Uh, literally anyone. just the beginning? Just the beginning Uh, of her being the target of torture from anyone who wanted to participate in the neighborhood. It wasn't just... It was like all the kids who were coming around and drinking and smoking and... Yep, being shitheads. uh, Yeah. Okay. So Koi, Koi, Stephanie's boyfriend, would bring his friends over and they would practice their judo on Sylvia. What? Yeah. They, like they she took was, judo at class and they were just like, here, I got a target for us? Yeah, they were trying to put her through walls and like kicking her up against walls and kicking her and hitting her. Horrible things for no reason. Could, like, no reason. I'm just so upset that she... And I'm, I'm not trying to like victim blame, but like she didn't tell anyone. She didn't like go to her school. She didn't go to no anyone. No, but I'm going to, you'll see, I'm going to go over a few scenarios where being, even when something was said, nothing was done. So around this time, Gertrude got Sylvia's best friend. She was a 13 year old named Anna Sisko alone long enough to convince her that Sylvia had been telling boys at her school that Anna's mother was a whore. What the, what is wrong with her? She's psycho. And And it goes beyond that. I think psycho is a polite way to put it. And when Gertrude took Anna to see Sylvia, she directed Anna to attack Sylvia. So soon after, Gertrude told one of Paula's friends, a girl named Judy Duke, that same type.
type of thing that Sylvia had been spreading rumors about her mother and pitted the girls against each other in a fist fight. Now, during this fight, Gertrude instructed Jenny to punch Sylvia. Oh, her sister? Her sister. When Jenny refused, Gertrude began to beat Jenny in the face until Jenny finally agreed to hit Sylvia. So at this point, she also has her sister attacking her. Oh. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm very sad. I have it's no very. Words. This is a very tough, a very tough case. I thought the Kelly F. Bates case was tough. And then I read this one and I was like, damn. In August of 1965, the house next to them was purchased by a middle-aged couple named Phyllis and Raymond Vermillion. Phyllis, seeing the number of children that Gertrude cared for, believed that Gertrude would make a good babysitter for her two young children. No! And that she would also be helping Gertrude out by paying her the same type of situation that Lester thought with his two girls. The Vermillions arranged a backyard barbecue so that the two families could get to know one another. During the course of the barbecue, Phyllis noticed that Sylvia was like wandering around the yard with a very pronounced black eye. And Paula Paula proudly was like, yeah, I'm the one that gave it to her. Just like it was not a big deal. Uh. And then standing right next to Gertrude, Paula approached Sylvia with a glass of steaming water and threw it in Sylvia's face. So they're around this other family, the, the Vermillions, and she does this. And neither of the Vermillions reported this incident to the authorities. They didn't report it? Did they like... They did nothing. Did they still let her watch their kids? You know, it doesn't really say. I don't... I'm assuming. I would hope not. Yeah, I hope not. Two months later, Phyllis went to Gertrude's home to borrow something. And she was only there for a few minutes. And she noticed Sylvia wandering around as if she were in a daze with, once again, a big black eye that was swollen shut and swollen lips. Oh, poor baby. And... To demonstrate how it happened, Paula took off her belt and began to beat Sylvia with it in front of Phyllis. What the heck? And Phyllis was like... Still did not tell the authorities. Yeah. Oh, man. Gonna give you a second to take that in. So it's now a whole other group of people. Gertrude later accused Sylvia of stealing gym clothes. So I want to... This is just... So they came in in July. This is now September. So, so this is like two months. Yeah, this has not been. This is not like a long drawn out thing. Oh my god! So it feels like it's been a year after you keep telling yeah. thing after thing. Yeah, and it's not like that's what makes it so hard. Gertrude accused Sylvia of stealing gym clothes, which she did, but she did it because she couldn't participate in gym class without them. So she stole some. Who did she steal them from? Like Paula? Oh, someone at school. Okay. Yeah. So as punishment, she burnt the tip of her fingertips with a match while shouting how much she hated Sylvia and how much Sylvia was ruining Gertrude's life. How much Sylvia was ruining Gertrude's life. You ruined your own damn life. Yeah. You got seven kids and you're a chain smoking haggard bitch. Like, (laughs) gets me a little fired up. I hate her. Yeah. I hate this woman. So Gertrude found the, because at first Sylvia was like, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Well, when she found the clothes, she burned Sylvia with a lit cigarette. And it was just on her body. Oof. Okay. And it was a practice that would become sadly like a routine in their house. Anyone who smoked would put their cigarettes out on Sylvia and say, this is her daily reminder not to steal. The. Yeah, yeah. Also around this time, one of the neighborhood children had been by to see Sylvia. And when... That was like her she, friend or like to yeah, just a friend. Pluto on her? No. And when she, she went home and told her mom, she said they were beating and kick, kicking Sylvia. And the girl's mom replied with, that's what happens when someone's punished. That is what? not what happens what? when someone's punished. Ugh, so I, I wasn't alive in 1965, I guess. Yeah, that's how you punish people Oof, for nothing. Like she did nothing. 
I did way more. I would. I don't even want to think about if that's what punishment is. Uh, you wouldn't have stayed. No, you would have like been like, I'm out. See ya. I would yeah, have rather been have been fun. like a runaway at that. Yeah, point this is fun, but chance. not. But I don't know if she didn't want her sister to. But yeah, I would yeah. think you maybe would... she was like, if she left, then her sister would get it. I bet yeah. that threat came out at some point. Yeah. So now is September, like I said, and this is when Gertrude pulled Sylvia out of school because up until now, Sylvia was going to school every day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like she has black eyes. She's got her lips swollen shut. She's got cigarette burns all over her. And like not one teacher, not one no. guidance counselor was so, like, oh no, what's happening? To like, I guess like a future reference about this case. This case is what prompted the court, like the mandated reporter law in Indiana. Okay. So like if so, you see, see something, say something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like, that's why like teachers, social workers, anyone of like that type of position, they are mandated reporters. So if they suspect someone is being child, like abused, they have to report it. Good. So yeah. And this is the reason why. Sorry that it took Sylvia's yeah. life to make yep. that happen. And for some reason, Gertrude was obsessed with Sylvia's promiscuity. And she constantly was accusing her of being pregnant or being a prostitute, sleeping around. And she wasn't. She wasn't doing anything. Probably because Gertrude was all of those things. Just protecting. Yeah. And one day, again, Sylvia went out to exchange Coke bottles again for money to buy candy. And Gertrude accused her of being out whoring around. And she screamed to Sylvia that she should never do anything with a man until she was married. And Sylvia kept crying to her that she hadn't. And for some reason, Sylvia denying that she had done anything with the boy infuriated Gertrude. Like it pissed her off even more. So she began to trigger warning. She began to repeatedly kick Sylvia in the pubic area until she was done with it. It didn't specify for how long, just until she was like, okay, I'm done. And then again, extreme trigger warning. She made Sylvia strip down naked in front of a whole house full of kids. So all all 15 of her kids or however all seven of her kids all 46 kids were there all 46 of her kids their boyfriends and neighborhood kids she made sylvia strip down naked in front of them and insert a coke bottle into her own vagina while the kids watched and laughed at her they laughed like not one kid was like not one like, kid <laughs> oh my nope. gosh oh yeah I'm so mad i'm so yeah mad it's a whole upset. i think what pisses me off the most about this case is typically the abuser is one maybe two people Mom or dad, boyfriend, wife, you know. Yeah, but there's so many people in this that they know what's going so on. so many people. It's like a freaking free-for-all Like here. that one kid and that went and told his mom, like his mom couldn't have been, or her mom, whoever, couldn't have been like, well, yeah. maybe we, they could have gone to the we'll police. Check it out. They could have. There's so many instances for Sylvia to be saved, and she wasn't. So following all of the trauma from the repeated beatings, the Coke bottle incident, the kicking, somewhere along that, Sylvia became incontinent, which is, for my research, a very normal response to that kind of trauma. As a result, Gertrude locked her in the basement because she was wetting the bed. She began to, as she called it, cleanse Sylvia, which was a bath 
like a bathing regimen where she would douse her with trigger warning, scalding hot water, and then literally rub salt in all of the wounds that she had. So all of the cigarette burns, all of the cuts that she had, she was rubbing salt into them. Yeah. Makes me like I want, I'm going to cry. Yeah. I was sobbing. I was writing this and I was sobbing. And I'll be honest, I had to have two glasses of wine before I could even give this story. (sighs) Okay. She, Sylvia was kept naked most of the time. She was rarely fed. And then again, Gertrude's pulling in her kids to help. She has a 12-year-old son named John Jr., who's named after his dad. They would make Sylvia eat her own feces. Her 12-year-old son. What um I don't I don't know what I'm gonna say. Never mind. I don't know. Paula once beat Sylvia's face until she broke her own wrist. And when she was at the hospital getting a cast put on, she was bragging about how she broke it. And, and nobody still, at the hospital. Nobody. Ah! I'm so- yeah. How, how this many is months in are we now? Like, is this like July? All of July. So July, August, September. We're almost four months in because we're almost to October. Oh my! Four months. All of this is happening in four months. Ugh. Okay. So it was around this time when Jenny finally, I don't want to like victim shape, but God damn it, finally managed because they have an older sister who lives in the area, who's married with her own family. Uh, and she finally yeah, was like, you like, oh, what? She was like, you know what? I'm going to contact Diana. And so she wrote Diana and she begged Diana to call the police. But Diana thought it was them just not wanting to stay in that house. So she didn't do any, like, she didn't call the police. She didn't even, like, she, come down and see, like, what well, was- she came. That was, yeah, the next day she came by to visit, but Gertrude wouldn't let her in. And she told her, like, if you stay here, I'm going to call the police. Diana hung around and waited for Jenny to come out. And when Jenny, she finally caught Jenny by herself, like, walking somewhere. And Jenny was like, I can't talk to you. I'm not allowed to talk to you you need to leave and ran off <gasps> so she diana called the police yeah right she does right please so Di- diana called social services Sorry. <laughs> yeah but gertrude had told diana during this that sylvia ran away because she was a prostitute i don't know where the hell this prostitute fascination comes in I'm like why she is projecting so, because she was a prostitute she's so obsessed with it so when social services came to do a home check once again gertrude threatened jenny and i'm i get the fear of being like i'm seeing what's happening to my sister i don't want that to happen to me and gertrude was like what happens to sylvia will happen to you so keep your mouth shut so she once again they all told the social worker that sylvia had ran away but she so was the in social, the basement she was in the basement the social worker which i don't understand how this there's no way the social worker was inside checking the place out they had no stove three beds for what is it seven eight nine ten people and the social worker went back to her office where she filed her report stating that no more follow-up visits were needed to the Banacheski's home. Do your job, lady, person. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's so crazy that it was handled that way because I have never met a social worker where that's how it's handled. You know, that's everyone that we know is Yeah, every social worker that I personally know would have been like, I'm gonna kick that door in and see what you're doing. Maybe not that extent, but they would follow through. Yeah, I'm gonna burn this house down with you in it. Maybe not. (laughs) 
Maybe not too far. Did I go too far? <laughs> so we are now in October and there's at this point, there's five days left of the story and it's going to get worse than what it has been. So I'm going to let everybody know if you're thinking in your head right now, Connie, I hate you. I wish you never would have told me this story. Wish you never I don't want did a podcast. And I had to listen. Wish you never did a podcast. Like who the hell would tell this? Now would be the time you guys can bow out. You're not going to. I understand. I promise you at the end, I'm going to tie this and why I I think this story is so important. So just bear with me if you can. So on October 21st, Gertrude instructed John Jr. and Coy and Stephanie to bring Sylvia up from the basement and tie her to a bed. They told Sylvia if she could hold her bladder through the night, she would be allowed to sleep upstairs again. So the next morning, Gertrude checked on her. And because of the significant trauma, Sylvia was unable to hold her bladder and she wet the bed. Gertrude made her get dressed and then took her into the living area where she was once again forced to perform a strip tease for her sons and the neighborhood boys as they laughed and cheered as Gertrude made Sylvia once again. What the f- Yeah. Once again, trigger warning, insert Coke bottle into her vagina repeatedly. Finally, Gertrude decided that enough was enough and she told Sylvia to get dressed and she then tells her, you branded my daughters because once again, she's obsessed with this idea that Sylvia had told people at school that Stephanie and Paula were prostitutes. You branded my daughters, so I'm going to brand you. (gasps) No. She grabbed the needle. Yep. She grabbed the needle and heated it until it was glowing orange and started to brand I'm a prostitute and proud of it into Sylvia's stomach. (gasps) Yeah. She was only able to carve the I and the M because she's a frail, weak monster. So she instructed Paula's boyfriend, his name is Ricky Hobbs, to finish what she couldn't do. At one point, this freaking moron stopped to ask Gertrude how to spell prostitute. Oh my God. So she wrote it down on a piece of paper. I guess she had written it in pen across her stomach, across Sylvia's stomach. Gertrude wrote it across Sylvia's stomach. And I don't know if like he couldn't read it or what, but he asked her how to spell it. So when he was finished, not only did she have this horrible carving tattoo-esque, I'm a prostitute and proud of it, on her stomach, she had third degree burns because they kept heating the needle. And I'm going to play an excerpt from this interview where Ricky Hobbs, this stupid, disgusting douchebag, did this. He's discussing this. And I'm just going to warn you, the callous, just nonchalant attitude he has is disgusting. He's still alive. I'll go to his house. All I did was write up that thing on her stomach, and I hit her about 10 or 15 times. But how come? Well, mostly because Gertie told me to. She refused food. We tried to get her soup every once in a while and stuff like that, and she wouldn't take it. Well, how about these scratch marks on her stomach? Who put them on there? I did. Why? Well, Gertie just thought of it. She said, since you branded us, we're going to brand you. So she... It's dinner with a pen, and I went over it. She showed me how to do it, and then I went over it. I, I did it. Did you ever use any hot irons on it? No. Yeah, I, that three in her stomach, I did half of that. And Shirley Ann did the other half. Where'd the S come from? What do you mean? There's a big S branded on her stomach. That's what one of her breath. That's what I'm talking about. Well, that's what you're talking about. Well, how about the inscription on there? I am a prostitute and proud of it. Who put that on? I did. Did you scratch it on there? Paint it on there? How'd you do it? Well, like I said before, Gertie wrote it down there with a pen, and I did the rest. Mm. She showed me how to do it. Had Gertie abused this girl? Yeah. I just hit her 10, 15 times. Yeah, like it's not a big deal. Yeah, I... So after this, Gertrude looked at Sylvia and was like, what are you going to do now? You can't get married now. 
And she pulled the, they had her mouth. A gag? A gag. And she said, I guess there's nothing I can do. So Gertrude left the room, leaving Sylvia tied, gagged, and naked. And at this point, Ricky, Paula, and Gertrude's 10-year-old daughter, Shirley, that's who Ricky was talking about in the interview, decided to give Sylvia another tattoo. That's the S that they were, he was also talking about. She's 10? She's 10. And so Ricky started by doing the bottom part of the S. And they were going to make it S for Shirley. Ori- originally, they said that it was going to be for Sylvia. But later it was said that the S would be for slave. Oh, what the f- But Shirley's 10 and she messed up the S and made it like a three. So as you heard in the interview, Ricky started it and then Shirley tried to finish it, but she did it wrong. So uh, she has this giant. You know what? What an idiot because 10 year olds should know how to ride an S. Yep. Ugh. I was like, how do you? I don't regret okay. saying it. Shirley, you suck. Yeah, she does. She's 10 and she sucks. For life. So. So Koi, this is Stephanie's boyfriend. And I just don't know. I mean, I dated some pretty shitty people, but I don't think I've ever dated anyone that would go along with this kind of stuff. No, no. To be like, yeah, sure. Let's do this. Let me just. And if I were ever at your house and your mom was like, yeah, we're going to come on, Connie, beat the shit out of this girl. I would be like, no, no. <laughs> like, yeah, like, absolutely not. I'm going to go home and tell my mom now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to nag my mom until you believe me jeez that's uh like so i I keep like in my head my i want to say like well times were different and they were but that's not an excuse for this and to be honest it was not that long ago no absolutely about it it's not like it's in the it's not like it's the 1800s where it's like oh yeah everyone was getting beat like that your parents beat you like that it's fine no absolutely not this is 1965 this is not that long ago in the grand scheme of time this is not that long ago so koi stephanie's shithead boyfriend took sylvia back to the basement where he again in his words practiced his judo by slamming her into a wall over and over i want to know if they like actually took judo or if they were just like i was just practicing my judo and it's like they don't even know judo i don't know what the hell judo is well they can't even spell so they probably don't know what judo is so, so it was at this point that Sylvia, and I don't know how she had him before, but she finally was like, she told Jenny, she said, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. And I can tell. Yeah. Like- and at this point, she couldn't even cry real tears. Like she had there. She was so dehydrated and malnourished that she just she couldn't. Sylvia, that's the worst. She started to lose control of her limbs. And it was at this point where Gertrude was like, oh, shit. Because she realized Sylvia was taking a turn for the worse. Yeah. And she realized that. Wait, think, this- you think she could just treat people like that? And like, yeah, you can't just like have this like sadistic torture and then be like, oh, wait. This is really taking effect on you? What the hell? I'm so surprised. So at this point, she told Sylvia she can sleep upstairs in the mattress or upstairs in the upstairs bedroom on the mattress on the floor. And she gives Sylvia a lukewarm bath. She forced Sylvia to write a letter to her parents to explain what happened to her. What? Because like I said, yeah, at this point, Gertrude also knew that Sylvia was going to die. So she's trying to cover cover her her tracks already. So this is the letter that she writes to Mr. and Mrs. Light. This is to her parents. Yeah. It's like, that's not obvious that she didn't write this at all. (laughs) 
did Gertrude write it or did... No, she made... She stood there and made Sylvia write it. I went with a gang of boys in the middle of the night and they said that they would pay me if I would give them something. So I got in the car and they all got what they wanted. And when they finished, they beat me up and left sores on my face and all over my body. And they also put on my stomach, I'm a prostitute and proud of it. I have done just about everything that I could do just to make Gertie mad and cost Gertie more money than she's got. I've tore up a new mattress and peed on it. I have also cost Gertie doctor bills that she really can't pay and made Gertie a nervous wreck and all of her kids. Yeah, Gertrude, you're not. What a dumbass. So obviously a kid's not going to talk. One, they're not going to talk about being a prostitute to their parents like it's not a big deal. Like, oh, I just got in the car. Yeah, and they're not going to be like, I did all this stuff to Gertie. Gertie, Gertie, Gertie. I used to think Gertie Gertie was a cute name like from E.T. and now I'm like mad about the name. Yeah. And I'm mad at you too, Connie. (laughs) Sorry. Everyone's mad at me now. I'm going to get hate mail. After Sylvia finished the letter, Gertrude started to formulate a plan that she was going to have John Jr., so her son, and Jenny, Sylvia's sister, take Sylvia to a nearby garbage dump and just leave her there. What the? Yeah. But when Sylvia overheard this, she ran down the stairs attempting to escape. But she was stopped by Gertrude as... Because she's so, like yeah. weak and yeah. 16 and ugh. Gertrude once again pulled Sylvia inside the house and threw her down the basement steps. And that's where she stayed. On October 24th, so we're now two days out, um, October 24th, Gertrude came down to the basement and attempted to bludgeon Sylvia with a wooden paddle. But she missed her, like completely missed her and hit herself. <laughs> Which, uh, it's not nearly it's the karma not, she deserves. Yeah, but, like, just that little bit made me... Yeah, but I smi- I smiled at the fact, the idea of this... I pictured it in my mind. I yeah. pictured it happening, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah, dummy. Like, she deserved it. She deserves way more. But Koi stepped in and viciously beat Sylvia on the head repeatedly with a broomstick and just left her unconscious on the basement floor. And then they just left. Man. Okay. Yeah. So, I say finally, because this is the torture that... Sylvia was she endured. enduring. Yeah. But on the early evening of Tuesday, October 26th, Gertrude told the children that she was going to give Sylvia a bath. So Stephanie and Ricky, uh, that's Paula's boyfriend, brought Sylvia upstairs and placed her in the bathtub fully clothed. And they took her out shortly after and laid her on the mattress on the floor. But they realized she wasn't breathing. So Stephanie tried to like frantically attempt to resuscitate her. What, did but they, by then, was she breathing before she got in the bathtub? Or You know, it doesn't say. I don't even know if she was. She was just finally like holding on long enough to be able yeah. to relax and then go. Yeah. And but at that point... Sylvia had already passed away and they panicked. Gertrude told Ricky to run and call the police. So the police arrived at 3850 East New York Street to what Spurgeon Davenport, he's the Indianapolis Police Department's homicide chief, he was a 35-year officer, and he described it as the most sadistic act he had ever come across. Immediately, Gertrude hands the police Sylvia's letter. She told them that Sylvia had run away and recently returned injured. She was clutching onto this note. She she feigned grief. She was pretending to be all upset. She claimed that she had been doctoring Sylvia, and the officers rounded the hall to find Sylvia's what the frail shadow of what like her a normal 16 year old should look at describing 
Yeah, laying on that disgusting soiled mattress. When the police asked Jenny what happened, at first she said word for word what Gertrude said. And then she whispered to a police officer, if you get me out of here, I will tell you everything. Good. So did they get her out of there? They got her out of there. She told, and that's how all of this stuff is matter of fact of what happened because it's Jenny's testimony. And the autopsy later revealed over 100 cigarette burns on Sylvia's body, in addition to various second and third degree burns, severe bruising, muscle damage, nerve damage. In the times that they had thrown her up and down the stairs and beat her, she had bit through both of her lips. Oh my God. Her her vaginal cavity was nearly swollen shut. Although an examination determined that despite all of the shit that Gertrude was talking about her constantly, Sylvia was a virgin. She had never been with a man. She had never, and honestly, not that it matters, Who cares if she had been? But that was what she clung to. She always was saying that these were the things that Sylvia was doing. Justify it in her mind. Like, oh, she's this gross person and I'll do. And she had told people that she was a prostitute and that Sylvia was pregnant, which obviously she couldn't be pregnant because she was a virgin. And the official cause of death was brain swelling, internal hemorrhaging of the brain and shock due to the sheer trauma of what happened to her skin, the burns, the damage. Yeah, Yeah, I'm gonna give everyone a minute to I just process. I that's awful. It's the worst thing. The whole just I think what makes it different, not that it's any better or worse, I should say, than the Kelly and Bates case is we knew from the autopsy what had happened afterwards. We had no account of what was happening as it was happening. And that's what I think. And yeah, and I think that's what makes this one so hard because it's, you know, Jenny's exact statement of this is what's happened to her. This is what she's been going through. And we can imagine what had happened in the like Kellyanne Bates because of all the horrible things that they found in the autopsy, but we didn't know what she was living with on a daily basis. And we didn't know how many times she had had. I mean, there's so many instances where she should have been helped. So Jenny's statement combined with the police's discovery of Sylvia's body and in the state that it was in, they prompted the officers to arrest Gertrude Paul. Stephanie, John Jr., Coy, Ricky for murder. Good. And then all of them, good. Any other neighborhood children that was present at the time were arrested for injury to a person. Good too. So there was a bunch of them arrested. Gertrude, her three kids, Coy and Ricky were held without bond pending their trials and then charges with against the neighborhood kids who took part in the beatings were ultimately dismissed. I don't know if it's because they didn't have evidence or what, but that part was kind of shitty. Stephanie's lawyer got her a separate trial and before it was able to begin, the district attorney dropped her murder charges. So she was not charged because there was never any there were there was never any distinct evidence that Stephanie contributed to murdering her. Her boyfriend definitely did, but she was never. Okay. She moved. I guess she would move Sylvia from place to place, but she wasn't doing the things that the other kids were doing. So the trial against Gertrude, Paula, John, the boyfriends, Coy and Ricky began in May of 1966. And the prosecution sought the death penalty for all of them that were involved, including John, Gertrude's son, who was, he was the one who. Yeah. Well, he's 13 at the, now. He's 13. Um, Yeah. Oh, no, he was 12, right? Yeah. 12. No, sorry. Shirley was 10. Okay. Yeah, Shirley was 10. He was 12. So now he's 13. And Koi is only 15 at this time. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. And in an ironic twist, Paula's time in court was cut short because after all of the shit talking about Sylvia being a prostitute, a whore, and pregnant, Paula was pregnant the whole time and she had to be rushed to Marion General Hospital to give birth to her daughter. I think maybe yeah. Gertrude knew that and was I taking think out she had her to anger up. at her yeah. daughter on Sylvia. I think her I think Sylvia represented everything. She was pretty. She was nice. She represented everything that she Gertrude wasn't and Paula wasn't. Side note, I was also born in Mary General Hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to guess what she named her daughter? She did not name her Sylvia. Nope. Okay. What'd she name her? Gertrude. Ew, that's way is, worse. Is a show of solidarity. Ugh, I would have been more mad if she named her Sylvia. Oh, for to sure. To be like, I'm so like sorry for what I've done. Yeah. <laughs> the, the audacity. But honestly, Gertrude is pretty audacious as well. Well, the baby Gertie was immediately given up for adoption to what I can only know is a million times better life. And I hope they changed her name than she would have had otherwise. So these five pieces of shit were represented by four different lawyers. And this is where it's going to get a little fuzzy. So hang with me. Gertrude had her own lawyer. Paula had a lawyer. Ricky had a lawyer. And there was one lawyer for Coy and John because they were so young. They were all being tried together, but all of their lawyers were pointing fingers and shifting the blame at the other ones. Even Gertrude was turning on her kids. She tried to portray herself as this innocent mother that... And I'm going to play a clip from an interview from the queen bitch herself that she had done in... Like, it was prior to the trial regarding to the treatment of Sylvia. So I'm going to give you that. I would never beat that girl. Never. She was beat up on by other girls. In fact, my own daughter stopped in the jaw and broke her wrist. And uh, so, I mean, there you go. And, and, and girls around the neighborhood beat her up, bloodied her nose. I, one girl broke her nose, in fact, I think. Were you ever in contact with the police on any of these occasions? Well, in the last two weeks, uh, in fact, um, uh, I think if, if you talk to my daughters, I'd I ask them to... Uh, the children's father and I are divorced, and he's a policeman in Meechcover was. And uh, I've asked the girls repeatedly, call their dad, ask them what to do. And in fact, I, I asked Jenny, I said, Jenny, and, and I told Sylvia, I said, Sylvia, I'm going to have to call the police or somebody because I can't have any responsibility. But the police were called only one time. Yeah. Isn't that disgusting? She's lying. Yeah. Like, I can tell she's lying. My 10 year old's a better liar than that. Uh, 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 I just picture her looking from side to side. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, like all around. Like, well, I, uh, you're wrong, Gertrude. I want to punch her in the face. Yes. In the face. And her attorney tried to paint her as this weak, chronically ill, or incapable of preventing or doing any of this abuse. And the kids' attorneys just like shifted the blame back and forth to the other kids. Like, I think they were trying to go for like a like a hung jury. Because if you can't say, okay, yeah, they did this, then. Yeah. But the most damaging testimony against Gertrude came from Gertrude. She recounted like these bizarre tales of Sylvia Likens being a neighborhood prostitute, which autopsy showed she was not. <laughs> and her tryst with that was a lie. Yep. And her tryst with middle-aged married men, as well as like talking, accusing her of frequently starting fights in the home. And so to corroborate her testimony, they brought in Marie. Marie comes in and initially she backed up everything her mother had said until 
cross-examination, she suddenly screamed, God help me, and just admitted everything. She said, everything I said prior was a lie. She went on to recount in like graphic detail how her mother and her siblings had tortured and murdered Sylvia. Damn. Yeah. Good on you, Shirley. Your soul be saved. Kind of. Yep. It was her testimony that was largely... largely responsible for the verdict. Gertrude was found guilty of murder in the first degree, but to the shock of Indian, like the citizens of Indianapolis, she didn't receive the death penalty, but she received life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Paula was convicted of second degree murder and she appealed and was granted a new trial, which I'll go in, in just a second. Gertrude also did that. They were saying they weren't, it wasn't a fair place to have a trial because there was so much media coverage prior to the trial, mm-hmm. which we see that a lot. Yeah. But before it began, she struck a plea bargain and pled guilty to voluntary manslaughter. She. Manslaughter? Wait, don't kill me for what I'm about to tell you. She served three years in prison and then she was paroled. Does she still live in Indiana? Nope, absolutely not. Okay. Did she run far, far away? To Iowa, which I guess is not that far away. So John Jr., Coy, and Ricky were each convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to, ready, Mm -hmm. 18 months in a juvenile detention facility. What? Yeah. I mean, I get it for the 12-year-old. I get it, but it's just like... Ricky Hobbs was Paula's boyfriend. So while he was in this juvenile detention facility, the severity of his crimes began to like sink in and he suffered a nervous breakdown. Rightfully so. Yeah, good. But he began a regimen of heavy, heavy chain smoking, which severely decayed his lungs and he was dead from lung cancer by the time he was 21. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so that's a, a lot, lot of, of cigarettes. cigarettes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of cigarettes. So Gertrude appealed. She was granted a new trial and was once again found guilty. Only this time she was only sentenced to 18 years to life. What? Yeah. Gertrude? Mm-hmm. Oh, So they took away the life without parole. And over the course of the 18 years, she became, quote, a model prisoner working in the sewing shop and becoming a dead mother to younger female inmates. And by the time she came up for parole in 1985, she had earned the prison nickname Mom. (gasps) Yeah. Um, The news of her parole hearing was it sent shockwaves. Jenny Likens, her family, they all appeared on TV to speak out against her. The members of two anti-crime groups Protect the Innocent and Society's League Against Molestation. They traveled to Indiana to oppose her parole to support the Likens family, and they began a sidewalk picket campaign. They collected 5,000 signatures over the course of two months, demanding that she be kept behind bars. Yeah, good. But in spite of this, she was granted parole. What? There was a, um, the parole panel was consisted of five people and three granted parole. Two of them said no. And one of the, I don't know members of the is it a board i don't know they had said that they have to believe in rehabilitation otherwise they wouldn't have the job that they do but i'm sorry fuck that yeah no that's baloney i've been saving my one f-bomb for that i have i think i spent mine i can't even remember because i'm just this is what gertrude said about the case she said i'm not sure what role i had in it because i was on drugs i never really knew her but i take full responsibility for whatever happened to her so on december 4th Oh, my brother's birthday. In 1985, she traveled to Iowa under the new name Nadine Van Fossen, and she died there from also lung cancer in 1990. Good. And so she wasn't out that long. No, she wasn't out that long. Uh, five years. Five years. 
Yeah, five years. So this is what, okay. Paula also moved to Iowa. She took, uh, also had a new identity. So if you dig into the internet rumors, she is still alive. She lives on a farm. But originally when she first got out, she applied and worked in a school system. But people, because, you know, sleuths, they found out who she really was and she got fired from lying on her application because, you know. Yeah, it's not your real name. That's not your real life. Stephanie, remember her? Yeah. They dropped the charges. She became a school teacher and also assumed a new name. Jeez Louise. So did she go to Iowa too? Uh, it doesn't say. Maybe. If someone knows, let me know because I, I didn't see that. Now, John Jr., he was the 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. He changed his name to John Blake, and he was a truck driver before becoming a real estate agent and minister. He was never arrested again. They said that he was the one that really took what he did and actually felt remorse he visibly you could tell that he was visibly affected by what he did Um, he was so little yeah he married he had yeah he had three kids um and he's lived completely anonymously he only surfaced in 1998 in the wake of the jonesboro massacre to speak for the first time about sylvia's murder saying that he took full responsibility for his role in the murder and that a harsher sentence would have been more just which yeah I, i agree yeah so the death of sylvia Likens continues to haunt Indianapolis as the worst crime ever committed in the state. Prosecutor Leroy New said it best. This case has never had its equal. It's the most vicious thing, the most hideous thing Indiana has ever seen. And I agree. It reminds me of Lord of the Flies, the way her kids just took to torturing Sylvia like it was not a big deal. Yeah, they just like joined in because they... Mm -hmm. So I will end this with a quote from Lord of the Flies that I feel like describes these kids perfectly. What are we, humans or animals or savages? Savages. Sorry, I know this one sucked. But um, so if you didn't get enough of this from this horrible hour long description that I've been giving you, there's a pretty gnarly movie that is based on this where Elliot Page portrays Sylvia. It's called An and American Crime, and I'm pretty sure it's on like Amazon. It was on Netflix. I don't know if it is. Did you watch it? Have you seen it? It's rough. It has like James Franco, um, Evan Peters. It's 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 dope. Okay. Yeah, Paige does a really great job. I'll watch that. Yeah, but that's all I have for you. I don't have any like fun banter to do with you afterwards. No, I'm sorry, but okay. So so I wanted to, the reason, another reason why I wanted to go back to this, and I touched on this with the um, Kellyanne Bates case, but if your kids are coming to you and telling you these things, oh, this happens. Yeah. I know that everyone's always scared to say something because they don't want to incriminate someone that doesn't deserve it. But when you don't incriminate someone... It'll be worth like, it if you save some kid's life yeah. or even like their sanity. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I I know my kids say like weird and wild things where I'm like, wait, what is going on? But I think in situations like this, you have to take it seriously. If you see someone like walking around like that, like uh, you just have to be mindful of the people around you. And again, it goes back to, like I said, COVID. A lot of people are stuck inside with their abusers right now. So we have to check on the people. We have to be there for people. Stick together. Yeah. It's rough times for everyone. I hate that this case is so, I hate the Indiana hat. Indiana's got some crazy yeah it's pretty whoa being landlocked makes you nuts yeah so 
that's all. We'll be back next week for Christmas to ruin your Christmas holiday. We'll be back next week to ruin your Christmas season. <laughs> yeah. And then we're going to follow it by ruining really. We're going to just end 2020 with another just another horrific <laughs> true crime. True crime. Yeah. All right. So that's it for today. Thank you all so much for listening to Gruesome True Crime with me, Connie. And Meg, we appreciate every single one of you. We truly do. If you actually like us and you're not just trying to seduce and murder us, you can follow along or see extras from the show on our Instagram at Gruesome Podcast. Or if you want to tell us our skin would make a nice lampshade or if you have follow-up questions about the episode, follow the form on our website, GruesomePodcast.com and email us. We love hearing from you guys. You can listen to Gruesome at the links listed on that website, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you normally get your podcast fill. Thank you again. Be sure to subscribe. Check your back seat before you get into your car. And remember that on Wednesdays, we're, we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs>